Live from the Tucson Festival of Books on the campus of the University of Arizona, it's the number one weekend radio show for the Arizona homeowner. It's Rosie on the House. And a great big Arizona good morning to you all, to hour two of Rosie on the House. We are down on University Plaza at U of A on a gorgeous, cloudless, Arizona Saturday morning. Um, we both have a little sweater on. <laughs> uh, it's but it's we warming, but it's warming up quickly. We won't need it long. We we're, won't. We won't. We're shaded need it under long. our exhibit booth. If if you are in, out, about, or around the Tucson area today, and you've never been to the Festival of Books, you are missing a spectacular event. Um, I don't know how many years they've been doing it, but it's one of the biggest events in Pima County, and there are booths that line the entire University Mall of publishers, book wholesalers, schools, uh, Ed Rosie on the House, and we get to be here because we published a calendar. <laughs> that It's actually an event we wanted to attend for several years just because of the amount of people that it does draw, but they said, you're not a publisher, and when we started printing our home maintenance calendar, one of them got a hold of it and said, you know what? You're now a publisher. You're now a publisher. <laughs> Would you like to come down? So we are here. I don't know. This is our third or fourth one. And I will say the kids section. I don't know if I've just never found it before or if that's an expanded edition. But, I mean, they're, the section they have for kids. There's there's one big booth that's just called Grandkid Books. There's one that's I'm, I'm gonna raid, free books. I'm going to raid that. Yeah, there's one that says free books. That's right. I'm going to be raiding that one. Um, how about the booth that said 100 Things to Do in Tucson? Got to go grab that book. You know, and when we – it's just oh, – it's not even open yet. It opens at 930. Now, there's already people walking. There's no one that's going to kick you out if you're already here. But so many of the – we only got to see exhibit em- names. Em- empty yeah, booths we- <laughs> yesterday as we walked around. So that's for sure. We, we've got our list of what will go hit after the broadcast is over. There's a There's one – uh, for Historic Empire Ranch, which is actually one of my very, very most favorite places in all of Arizona, down there around Sonoida and Elgin. Uh, absolutely gorgeous country. A lot of your country and western movies were filmed there, that's including right. Oklahoma was including, filmed. That's right. <laughs> Not in Oklahoma, but in Arizona. There's a booth for, part of it. for Western Writers of America, you know, so no telling what kind of collections are going to be in there. And then there's a booth for the Presidio Museum, which is located just kind of on the north and the west side of downtown Tucson, which is the site or very near the site of the original little community adobe building that uh, uh, started Tucson back in the 1700s. So uh, that lots to see here. If the you're in the of, neighborhood, drop on by. The amount of different societies and groups that uh, are that have, there's the Arizona Poetry Society, Arizona Mystery Writers, there was the Tucson Auburn Society, the National Authors Association. I mean, the amount of different... Bring a wheelbarrow niche or, of, or a backpack and all your kids with empty backpacks. Writing groups. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So we're here today live meeting all of our friends. We've had several people come up and introduce themselves to us so far. Familiar with the article we publish in the Daily Star, the program that airs on KGVY and KNST down here in Pima County. We're also honoring this week, they're closing out the uh, Women in Construction Week, which was March 6th through 12th. 
the Arizona chapter of the Associated General Contractors Association wants uh, to just scream out in a big way, congratulations to all the women in construction. They actually highlighted a few women in construction, crane operators, heavy equipment operators, project managers, assistant project managers. I'll tell you what, it's a big, big growing labor resource pool for the construction industry is the women that are coming into construction. And boy, we are welcoming all women into the industry with open arms. So congratulations for that. Today, we'll be talking about windows a lot today. If you have a question about your exterior windows or doors, uh, feel free. That's the topic of the day to join the conversation by calling us at one 767 And we'll get you online and answer your question as quick as we can. The article we've published for the blog this particular week is the do's and don'ts of window care. One of the first things we would encourage you to do now, uh, the windows, as we move into the summer months below the Mogollon Rim, the spring and summer months, the, the importance of checking your doors and windows goes up exponentially. Uh, we recommend that you would go around every single door and window on these colder mornings and pass your hand around the outside of the window frame and any place the windows meet, where the sliding window meets the fixed frame, any place there's a emollient or a divider in the window pane itself, just pass your hand over those areas. And if you feel cold, we, we like to say, to keep it simple, cold seeks heat, okay? Uh, if you feel cold inside your house on the palm of your hand as you're going around those doors and windows, that's a sign. That's every place your cold air conditioning is going out the window in the middle of the summer. You could do exactly the same thing this summer when it's 112 outside and you're trying to keep your house at 76. You could go outside and pass your hand and you'll feel the cold air escaping. So this is a great way to do a preseason check on where your windows may be leaking. Do, do the palm test on all your exterior windows and doors. And I'll tell you, here's a, here's a little bonus. Put your hands around the electrical outlets that are on outside walls of your house. You'll be surprised how much cold air is coming in there as well. On double-pane windows, if there's any kind of dirt, fog, debris in the middle of, uh, in between the glass panes, that means the seal is broken. And that seal is, you know, I mean, it's not like you need to go out and replace it today. It's obviously still, uh, the glass is still there. But it will continue to just grow as moisture can now get in between there you know moisture carries a lot of things in it dirt dust debris that can all soak in and it etches your glass eventually it's it's like your glass is constantly fogged all the time so and there's not really a way to replace that there was one invention that um drilled holes into the glass shot jets through it water cleaned it out and then they would pump a sealer into it but it didn't stay around long so i'm just not sure if it really works as well i lost track of them as uh and and if you see that 
on your insulated window, you know you've lost the insulation seal. So the effectiveness of your window in keeping the heat out or the cold out is is drastically reduced when you've lost those seals. So that's that means window shopping time. That's right. It is it, at least the glass replacement for sure. Now, look out for leaks and improper drainage above, around any vents, or make sure the sprinkler system isn't spraying up against any of your doors or windows. That exposed, prolonged exposure to moisture isn't good for any window at all. And then the other thing I would have you do while you're doing that is take a look at the weather stripping. Depending on the type of window you have, if you've got the typical aluminum frame window, uh, you've got like little bitty um, 3 sixteenths inch wide uh, felt strips that are fed into little runners in the frame. And that's the weather stripping that's designed to keep the dust, primarily the dust, out of your house. Also to eliminate some of the drafts between the window panes as well. Well, that material is notorious for getting dry, brittle, and extremely dirty over five, seven, ten years. Stop and take a look at that. It can be purchased. You can replace it. Uh, so don't hesitate to take a look at that. And if you're accumulating little puddles of dust on the uh, sill or sash of your windows after dust storms, uh, that's probably where it's coming from. So take a good look at inspecting the weather stripping. And then the hardware, uh, <clears throat> the mechanical equipment that operates the window, whether it moves out and in, or if it goes, slides up and down, or slides left to right, you know, all of those tracks and hardware, they will eventually wear out if you've got one. Now, you have to determine whether it's the mechanical or, you know, sometimes it can be the window frame inside is shifted, and it's it's actually the, the frame that's not perfectly square and causing the window to be stuck open or, or hard to close one way or the other. But if it's the window's still perfect, if the frame's still in perfect condition and the house hasn't moved, you know, anything that's not operating is probably the mechanical equipment, and a lot of that stuff can be easily replaced. I was at a home uh, visiting with a homeowner who was, wanted to visit about a remodel, and, and, and they took me over to a particular window in the family room a couple weeks ago. And said, Rosie, can you tell me why this window is so hard to slide open and close? And it was almost impossible. I mean, you, you had to really lean into it even to get it to crack at all. And I said, well, how long has it been doing this? Because, you know, the first thing you think is, well, the house must be settling. We're getting some stress and strain on the header of this window. And they said, well, it's, it's been that way since we moved in. I said, well, how long have you lived in the house? 16 years. <laughs> I said, well, chances are this window was never installed correctly in the first place. So we could take away the drywall corner bead, open the sheetrock, reshim, reinstall this window, and you'll probably be fine. So when you're dealing with a window problem for 16 years, it's probably not a new situation. It's probably something that has to do yeah. from the way it was originally installed. And, and, you know, I've never seen a window that was originally installed out of plumb. There's, there's thousands of them. <laughs> Folks, it's Rosie on the House. We're broadcasting live from the University Ball down at U of A in Tucson for the Festival of Books. 
And if you'd like to join the conversation, we're talking windows, but we'll answer any question about any home remodeling or repair project you're trying to tackle. Just call us, one 767 4348 I wonder, wonder who, 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 who wrote the book of Tell me, tell me. You might find him here. I don't know. There's not too many books you won't find here. That's for sure. That's absolutely sure. Festival of Books at the University Mall at the U of A down in Tucson, broadcasting live on a beautiful Saturday morning. If you have a question about your house, home, castle, or cabin, remodel, repair, maintenance, or if you're contemplating a project you've yet to start or you're trying to finish a project you just can't finish, give us a ring at one 767 4348 and we'll put our building and remodeling experience to work for you we've been building and remodeling in arizona since 1972 and in addition to that we also publish an article in several newspapers still the Casa grand dispatch the green valley news and we've already had several people walk by and say hey we love your article in the tucson daily star that goes out on sunday and sunday's article will be what we're talking the daily star is what we're talking about today in regards to windows. windows and we've got a section in here talking about repairing damaged caulking you will find a lot of caulking material in your home anywhere two <laughs> dissimilar surfaces meet that has an exterior finish you know if, if it's something that's hidden behind the wall you're not going to see it there but if it's a if it's a finished surface where a countertop meets the drywall or the tile backsplash uh, you'll often find it there if it's even a, against a, a grout line. It could be a clear one where the if the sink is sitting on top of the countertop. Um, I've seen painters use cabinets. it to make a trim carpenter's miter job look good. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. Yeah, you can. There's a lot of uses for caulk. Cabinet meets the drywall. Bathroom <laughs> meets the drywall. Uh, on, on your windows, where the window frame meets the drywall, on the interior. It can often be a place you'll find that along with the exterior, depending on what type of frame you have and how it's uh, the finish on the product is. If there's stucco right up to the window frame, you'll always see, you should always see uh, caulking there to connect those two materials and keep the water a watertight seal. So you want to look at basically on the edge, on the inside and outside of your window to make sure you don't see any <clears throat> peeling or cracking or crumbling or brittle caulking. That's your waterproof uh, integrity for, for the frame of your windows. Now one of the things people do a lot of times is they'll get to removing the caulk and then they'll say, well, I'm going to fill this hole really, really good. I'm going to spray some of the expanding foam in there first. Then I'm going to cut that back. Then I'm going to caulk over that. Do not use expanding foam on the frames of your doors and windows unless it says on the can for doors and windows. Because what will happen is that expanding foam is so strong, it will literally warp the frame of the door and or the window. So stay away from the uncontrollable expanding foam that isn't specifically on the can states for doors and windows what that foam will do will expand to the point that it feels resistance and it will stop it will not take any door or frame and push it out of plumb or put a kink in it which the other foams will so i it's, like it go ahead it's a very it stains as well 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you'll never get that that color stain off. It messes up everything for sure. I recommend a polyurethane caulk in that kind of instance. It does allow the most amount of flexibility. The aluminum and the stucco and the drywall all expand and contract at a different rate depending on what temperature the environment is in. That's what causes the cracks in between the two dissimilar materials. And that's exactly what caulk was invented to seal up. Now, I tell my guys, never depend on a chemical to give you a solid product. Build it with your materials in a way you don't depend on it. And then the caulk is just a secondary assurance. The tighter and cleaner the bead of caulking is can tell you how meticulous of a craftsman you had on your home. If you just got this big glob, you know it was a blowing go crew. <laughs> if, if you could hardly see it, you know that that was someone meticulous and, and spent the time to do it right. So don't, don't be a daub and glob on your own home as you're going. I was taught very early on in the construction career that if you took a, a uh, caulk tube and you have that hard plastic nipple coming out the end that the caulk exudes out of, that if you took your razor blade knife very, very carefully and started at the base of that and cut it at an angle all the way to the tip, you could come up with an inch and a half wide caulk joint. <laughs> it, takes, it, it takes a lot of practice. But ideally what you want to do, folks, is take that caulk tube and lay the tip down on a hard surface. Take a very sharp knife and cut it so you're only exposing the very end. We're only about a one-sixteenth or one-eighth inch width of bead comes out when you're exercising your hand and pushing the caulk out. You want it cut at an angle. Don't cut it straight. And you, you want to be very careful how you cut that tip because a lot of times you'll cut it with a dull knife and it will leave a little straggling piece of hard plastic on the long end of the nozzle, which drags through your caulk joint and ruins the caulk joint you're putting. So a sharp knife cut at the end to allow for about a 1 8 inch bead, cut very sharp and clean. And then we can talk about, Romy, when you caulk, are you a pusher or a puller? We'll find out after the end of this break. There's a technique to both. Thank you for tuning in to Rosie on the house. We'll be right back after this bottom of the hour station break. We are live in Tucson. Anytime we're on the road, we are in our Rosie on the House Sanderson Ford Transit Vehicle. It's a rolling billboard. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. A billboard on wheels with lots of storage room. I love the fact that I can get in there, walk around, go through the stuff, go in and out without constantly ducking over and knocking my head on the top of the door. I love the stand-up space of that unit. You And, you know, every one of our partners that walks into it as well says the same thing. You know, I, you know, a lot of them may have had an old van or something like that, like, you know, where you're crawling in or out. They're like, I can stand up. And with the aftermarket accessories for, and tool organizers oh, the you racks. can get, it is a very efficient vehicle for the trade. So well, it's always encouraging uh, when you're driving around that big billboard and you stop and people come up to you, you know, and they say, man, we appreciate. And I ask a lot of those people when they come up to me, I say, where are you buying your cars? 
And uh, I had one person in particular, I was in Picacho, and I pulled over to stop to get a fresh bottle of water out of the back. And I was way off the road, and he followed me. I thought, oh, boy, what do we got? And he says, I just want you to know that I live in Picacho, and I saw your van pulling over, and I just wanted you to know I drive to Glendale to buy my Fords from Sanderson Ford. I saw that far of a drive. No, it's not. People come from all over the country to buy their Fords at Sanderson Ford, right there in Glendale. One of the most award-winning Ford dealerships in all of America, number one Ford dealership in Arizona. And there's a reason for that, folks. And I, I don't know. I cannot remember how many Fords I've purchased from that dealership. But from the first one I ever bought, I've never shopped anywhere else. And if you'll go give them a try, I'm sure you'll find the same experience at Sanderson Ford, 51st Avenue. South of Glendale, right on Maryland, 64 acres of some awfully beautiful Ford vehicles, and they're all headline-grabbing models. Ford Motor Company, Sanderson Ford. Continuing our conversation about windows. Well, you know, before we do that, before we do that, you know how many calls we've gotten to ask, have we found a winner for the mystery sound yet? Let me give everybody a little backstory here. I don't know. It had to be uh, a month ago that someone called us or sent us in the office an email with a video clip to it. And it was a builder who had a mystery sound in a brand new home that he had just moved some customers into it. And he sent us a recording of this mystery sound. We played the mystery sound on air. Let's see if we can listen to it again. goes on all hours of the day and night and of course you know it's located in the wall next to the master bedrooms headboard <laughs> so it's keeping it's keeping the uh, folks up all night long we got we we have a winner is what i want to announce that someone was able to identify what that sound was but before i tell you the winner um we had we had information like they need to turn off everything in the house including cable satellite then start turning everything back on one by one. If that doesn't work, maybe it's an attic exhaust fan. It can also be acoustic sound projected from the outside of the house. We had somebody say, it's the smoke detector. It's reached its end of its life expectancy. Then an, here's one, the missionary noise. <laughs> the, I think it was supposed to be mystery noise. Uh, somebody was on spell correct here. The missionary noise could be a drain issue in the house with water or air moving through drains. Here's one. Obviously, it's a ghost. <laughs> Secret noise is roof rats. So we literally had dozens and dozens of suggestions. The number one suggestion was that it was in the ductwork, in the exhaust flaps of the exhaust vents. And it was the little protective flapping device that keeps backdrafts from coming in but here's the winner someone by the name of Nikolai and I'll read you the answer the sound is caused by the PEX water piping the installer installed the PEX like it was copper pipe when installing copper pipe 
If the pipe is not well secured with straps to prevent the pipe from moving, you end up with water hammer sounds. When installing PEX pipe, on the other hand, you have to leave it loose to allow for expansion. Restraining it in places, it can be a problem. There's a very right and wrong way to install this. And I knew that, but I never had it create this noise. Well, when they opened the drywall up to try and determine what it was, it was the PEX line hitting the ABS black soil plumbing vent line which then was like a guitar string on the sound box of a guitar amplifying the sound throughout the entire house they open the sheetrock they find that pex banging against the abs line they correct it problem solved and homeowners sleeping contractor and rosie are now more edified and informed about what that might could be so all i have is an email address and the name nikolai and nikolai i offered for anybody that could solve this because i was completely stumped that you would win an arizona staycation so we'll be reaching out to nikolai and uh allowing them to uh visit i don't know romy if we're going to create one whole new um staycation or we just let them pick one of the ones we've already got planned for the year but we'll figure all that out we'll get it figured out all right mystery sound solved that's the power of rosie on the house you had a, a caller uh, call in with a question what was that what were, and you can call in if you'd like one triple eight seven six seven forty three forty eight that that text on filling the swimming pool they wanted to fill in the swimming pool is there is there a way to fill an in-ground swimming pool? Rosie? Yes. Uh, actually, he wants to know the best way to okay. uh, handle removing that swimming pool in-ground. It, it actually requires a permit to remove a swimming pool, in-ground swimming pool. And it's you pull it through the county, and there's actually very specific rules that you have to go through. You have the, the swimming pool around the top where the tile is, has a collar there of rebar that goes all the way around it and we fill that collar with concrete and it's called the collar tie and it holds the top of the pool together as the weight of the water the the hydro pressure is trying to push the walls of the pool out okay so number one is we have to eliminate all the decking then we have to bust the gunite and this plaster down I believe it's two and a half or three feet have to be completely cracked and crumbled that gets rid of the collar tie and that takes the concrete below normal digging levels but before you do all that you have to take a jackhammer and get in the bottom of that swimming pool and bust holes in the bottom and then you can literally collapse all of that concrete plaster and stucco and gunite into the bottom of that hole and then you finish backfilling it with a ABC and you have to compact it and do it correctly so you don't end up with a big sinkhole back there. But you don't want to cut the pool off, remove the decking, and just throw a bunch of dirt in there. You will be dealing with a significant and substantial and expensive problem to fix in the future. So jackhammering those holes in the bottom to allow any 
water that's leaching through the soil to allow itself to continue leaching out and not sitting in there is a key, and it does require a permit. And there is an alternative on just retiring your pool that one of our That's partners That's true, offers. very true. It's a company and process called Deckover, and they just build a deck that goes over your pool completely flush so you there's no steps um, or bumps to catch your toe on. It's a perfect transition from the decking material to a wood platform that you can then do whatever you want on top of. They do put a sump pump at the bottom and pump water out when it does rain. They just use the existing drain of the pool that they lead that line into. And then that way, one, it's faster and cheaper than it is demoing a pool. And then if you're ever going to sell the pool, you've got that. You could save it. You could bring it back. You, absolutely. There, you know, it, it's a lot cheaper to then bring it out of retirement than building a whole new pool because the hole's already there, the gunite's already there, and you don't need to start from scratch. So it, it can be a selling advantage later down the road if you ever want to move the home. It may not have a pool. It's got a pool in retirement that can be brought out. And if that's a pool is somebody's tipping point on whether they're going to buy a house or not, you know, that, could, that could help you. And if they don't want a pool, well, it's already in retirement, so that doesn't really go against you. Deck over. Jeff, Jeff's been a Rosie certified partner. I don't know. It's got close to 10, 15 years. <laughs> Probably closer to 15, yeah. yeah. Now, Rosie, I have a follow-up question. My name's Gary. Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> Gary. Yeah. Okay, so I had an in-ground pool, and I decided to have it completely removed. Now, okay. Okay, so it, it, there's two ways you could do it. Completely remove it, and you're done. And fill in with dirt. Yes. If you have the other option to just break it down and bury it, you need to have documentation if you sell the house that there's a buried broken pool in the ground, correct? A, is that a state law? or? Uh, yeah, I believe that's true. That is true. And that's a part of the permitting process. They want it on record at, at, you know, on record at your title company that it's there. Got it. Got it. So. And that's why I decided to go for... Complete, complete removal. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, the two houses next to me had to experience an earthquake when it happened, but uh, they were okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> Some heavy equipment required if oh. they can get into your backyard for yeah. complete concrete removal. Yeah, yeah. That's like a lot 4. of material. 4.5 on the Richter scale in the backyard of my house. <laughs> man, oh, man. So that's answering a question that came in by phone at one 767 We'll take your call as well if you'd like to give us a ring. We'll take the call, get your name, answer the question as quick as we can. We're talking uh, windows primarily almost all month of February. And today we're talking about... March. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it is March. Um, February is painting. The do's and don'ts of window care is the topic for today. Cleaning and lubricating window tracks, frames, and rollers. And a lot of people um, make the mistake of using oils when they're trying to lubricate their rollers and whatnot. And that is a big, big problem. Like WD-40 or oh. something of that. Yeah. I'm going I'm to lube this up really good so it slides really, really easy. It has its time and place, but that's not a great application for... There's, it's a mechanical. There's a very specific spray lubricant that's Teflon-based that you're going to use on any rollers of your sliding doors and windows. Never use a petroleum oil-based product. It'll cause a lot more problems than it's worth. 
And the other thing a lot of people do is they start getting a little compulsive and they get outside and they start with a little toothbrush and they're cleaning those sliding rails and the tracks of the system and they see these little holes in the window frame and they think man what is that for i better seal that up keep the bugs from getting in the house and don't do that those holes are there for a very very specific reason when the sprinklers or the rain hits the outside of your window the water runs down the outside face of the window frame it has to have a way to get out and if you those are called weep holes you plug the weep holes the water's going to start backing up into your house and that's where you end up with those soggy window sashes and window stained sashes so more on doors and windows right after this from rosie on the house we get to the cleaning part of our windows there's a couple things don't use a power washer on the exterior it's tempting and it's fun but don't do it on your windows and glass and also don't use a garden hose either Josh Lawler of Clearco window and carpet cleaning our Rosie certified partner has says you would be surprised just you know we you always hear us talking about hard water in Arizona and the, having soft water he's like that that applies to washing your windows too don't wash your windows with hard water. Now, if you've got a water softening system, you can just fill up water from anywhere inside the house and carry your bucket outside. <clears throat> a lot of water so treatment quick. Thank you. Thank a lot of water treatment <laughs> companies will leave you a hose spigot outside by the garage so you can wash your vehicle with soft water. Well, you can hook up your hose to that soft water spout and use that if you have enough hose to reach all the way around the uh, the side of the house to where all your windows are otherwise just fill up a bucket of water with the soft water scrub you know rinse it off good once then go to your cleaning solution and then finish it off from there our windows never look better than when josh comes to the house and hits the windows and i always ask him what's your secret juice and he says just water <laughs> but soft water <laughs> man he, he literally makes the glass invisible. You know, but if you do, if you, if you are committed to using that garden hose and spray something, take your sunscreens down and hose them off and use a soft nylon brush and clean those down real good. Get all the dust off of them. And I'll tell you what, while you have them down, go ahead and allow them to completely dry. And if you'll get... Write this down. If you'll get a product called 303, Aerospace Protected, you can just Google um, uh, nylon spray protectant, and it pops up. It's one of about four or five that pop up. But I'll tell you, I've tried them all. And this one in particular is 303 Aerosol Protectant, uh, and it's for any vinyl windows and most sunscreens are now fiberglass threads covered with vinyl and that's how you make a sunscreen material now if the vinyl has been sunburned to the point the fiberglass threads are exposed you're beyond help sunscreens aren't that expensive it's time for you to order new screens and get them set in place 
But if you're dealing with water discoloration or UV fading, or you just want to extend the life of your sunscreens, this aerosol protectant would be an excellent, excellent. And I take the screens down. I spray both sides, the side exposed to the sun, as well as the side that comes in against your glass, uh, uh, glass space. And I'll tell you what, my sunscreens at my house, I've got a back patio. I can roll down sunscreens. There. It's about 40 feet long and about 8 feet high. I spray those once a year. Those screens are, are now approaching 20 years in age. And I do it every single spring. They're due right now. And they look a little weathered now. But as soon as I hit them, as soon as I get home and I hit them with that 303, they're going to look good all summer long. So don't do this while the screen is in place. You don't want that vinyl protectant on the outside of your glass. Do it when you've taken the screens down, hosed them off, let them thoroughly dry, and then hit it. So there's just a couple miscellaneous do's and don'ts about your window care for Arizona homeowners. Another one that was interesting that you don't see a lot, but just watch where your windows are reflecting. If you're working on landscaping, if you're doing an artificial turf, you want to see where that glass is reflecting onto the ground because we have seen that heat magnify off the glass and, and burn up the artificial turf. You also want to, if you've got regular turf on the outside, you want to make sure one, you've got it a couple feet away from your foundation, but also that the sprinklers um, are not spraying back on the house. I know that sounds like impossible. How could that happen? But it regularly does. And especially, you know, we even had one at, uh, <clears throat> it wasn't a, it was an older sprinkler and it, it was set between, you know, zero and 45 degrees and whatever happened, it was going zero to 180 degrees. Well, that 90 to 180 was the porch, which had all the French doors on it. And, I mean, every morning for a couple days until we got it fixed, it would just completely hose down the patio. So the sprinklers can malfunction. Make sure they're not spraying onto your windows and doors. And then um, when you're back on your, one more on your window screens, is if you're adding sunscreens to the exterior of your home, Make sure you're not drilling into the window frame to attach this the screen at uh, clippings. Where can they find the do's and don'ts of window care? RosieOnTheHouse.com. It's the blog of the week. So it's on the home page. as also the blog and in the quick links. Next hour, we've got our 10 o'clock hour. It's our open home hour. Open to you, the Arizona homeowner, whatever you want to talk about, your home, castle, or cabin. one 767 4348 